Al, we were going to talk about Final Fantasy IX, but I think we have more pressing matters to talk about. Is it Tom Sawyer? It's Square's Tom Sawyer, the video game, based off of the novel, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Wow. I can't believe that exists. It's amazing. It's it's a thing. Also, apparently there were two Tom Sawyer games released in 1989. What was with, like, the reemergence of Tom Sawyer in 1989? <laughs> That's a great question. Why was Square making a game based off like, of it? Why is Japan so interested in Tom Sawyer? Uh, what a weird thing to find. Also to find out, like, that game's claim to fame is that it's pretty racist. I mean, considering the source material. Yeah. Not surprising. Right, yeah. That just, what the heck. And also Japan having their take on that, which... Yeah, I mean, like, let's all remember how bare it was in Final Fantasy VII. Like, I, I I, don't think that Square is really great at race relations. Just the idea that it's a Square-developed JRPG based, based on, on Tom, Tom Sawyer. Sawyer. That's so yeah. dumb. It's amazing. We have to find this game. Oh, boy. But anyways, we're we're not here to talk about that, unfortunately. Thank as, God. As much as it would be like a crazy, crazy topic. Uh, we Maybe have another someday. game to talk about. Maybe someday if we can find like a good <laughs> translation of it. Anyways. Uh, hello. Hi. Welcome. This is the Season Anime Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. This is episode number... I'm Jared, joined by... <laughs> What? That's the number. Yeah. It's like 42, I think. It's 42. Okay. I didn't look it up. And I didn't think I about it. Did. Thanks, buddy. Yep, I got you. That's my best buddy, and Ladium. Hello. And uh, we are here to talk about a very good video game. We are here to talk about one of my favorite video games. I think I would probably put it up there, too, like replaying it again like as we did like it really reminded me like how much i enjoyed this game especially because like you know we had played through a bunch of the other final fantasies in between mm-hmm. me playing nine originally and now because it was like two years ago i think i first played that game so like it kind of had like my my view of that game kind of been skewed a bit by the other ones kind of coming in and trying to fight for position but like man replaying final fantasy nine that game is amazing, and I think, honestly, it is one of my top five favorite games of all time. It's my favorite Final Fantasy. Like, hands down, it's my favorite Final Fantasy. I like the idea that my top five video games of all time are just, like, the dumbest list imaginable. Because it's, like, Super Mario World, because, obviously, it's an iconic game. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> <laughs> Persona 4. Garo, Mark of the Wolves, <laughs> Final <laughs> Fantasy IX, <laughs> and I think I like, and probably like Breath of the Wild is like a is like right under there. But like I need, I I want to let that game sit for a while, yeah, before like moving it in there. Like it still needs time to permeate. Let's see, like how that game, how that thing, how I feel about that game, like a couple years down the line before we move it up into the upper echelon. But that's probably gonna be up there someday. But yeah, I, it's it, a dumb I, list. Yeah. I mean, mine's probably not any better, <laughs> but 
I, I do think it would definitely include Final Fantasy Nine, and obviously it would include a Zelda game. Persona and Three. I, I would say a different Persona game. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Hmm. Anyways, we are here to talk about Final Fantasy Nine because it got re-released last Tuesday. Tuesday? I couldn't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday on the PlayStation Network after a ratings classification leaked. Like, I think the night before and then at Sony's Tokyo Game Show press conference, they were like, hey, we're re-releasing Final Fantasy IX. It's out now. (laughs) It's out now. And, um... It's pretty much the same port as the Steam iOS one. Yeah, because like if you look at that main menu, it definitely looks like a mobile game. It does. And it's like, that's weird. Yep. Because the, the 7 remake, they or not remake, but the re-release they did, didn't really look like that. But I don't know what the, the mobile or, or I don't remember what the Steam version of that looked like either. I don't either. So... But it's it's exactly the same. But um, I was excited to replay it and also trophies. Yeah. And it was cool to see it on my TV looking very, very pretty. Which I think they did a good job of like of kind of like remastering that game, making it look better. Um, like if you've played the, the PC version or the mobile version, like you already kind of know like how it looks and all that stuff. So it's not really it's not different, as we said. But like you know, the character models look look better. They're upresed. The the CG cutscenes look a little bit better. They're not like grainy or anything like they were like originally. And like they're just they they keep the four by three resolution for those, so they don't stretch them out or anything like that. Uh, the only like difference is like some like the the pre rendered backgrounds kind of look a little funky compared to like the character models. So like that's a bit of a big difference. But that was. I think that was pretty similar to how it was in like the seven re-release as well. And also the yeah. eight one. So that's just, I guess a a thing that's going to happen when you up those games. So not much. They probably could do about it. Garnet has a really shiny butt now. <laughs> it's true. Like it, I feel bad because I keep looking at her butt while I'm playing, but I'm like, it's so shiny. Like can't look away from it. It's just out there. It is. I mean, like, it's the orange and the shine. And especially after she cuts her hair, I'm like, wow, okay. Like, there's nothing hiding that now. <laughs> gotta stare at your butt. I'm sorry. It's just prominent. <laughs> it's just so shiny. I, I don't remember it being so shiny in the original game, but... I don't know. I don't think it was. It's It's super shiny now, and... We we do know because Zidane touches it that it is soft. <laughs> oh boy! So in case you ever need to know anything about Garnet's butt, there you go. It's all presented to you in the in the game. It is. Good lord! Sorry, butt discussion time. Woo! I remember when you because uh, you played the the mobile version when it came out last year. I did. And that was like one of the first things you pointed out. <laughs> I was sending you screenshots because I'm like, look how shiny her butt is. Like, yeah. it's so shiny. <laughs> uh, couldn't couldn't even deal with it. I, I'm inappropriate and horrible. <laughs> no. But, I mean, it plays the same, essentially. 
Yeah, like, but you have like the um, the cool like buffs you get like in the seven and eight remakes. Mm-hmm. They have those present. They also have like crazy ones that will just completely break the game if you want. Yeah, also, you they... don't get like you don't get trophies if you if you use those. Like you can if you don't want to break the game, you have battle assistance, which is like re it, like it's essentially god mode where you like refill like your health and everything and and your transbar and all that stuff. You can hit for nine nine nine. Uh, fast speed, and then no one random encounters. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go, just you want to bring the police and everything involved. <laughs> That's a fire truck. You want to you want to bring the fire. <laughs> you uh, there's like a, I think it's a you. It just bumps you all the way up to level ninety nine, gives you like all the skills, and magic, and something. Oh, and and gives you like. Nine 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 gill. Like a lot of money. Like like I said, it breaks the game. Yeah, I mean, I feel like those are unnecessary, especially with the other ones. Um, just because I was trying to get through it for the podcast and also so that I can uh, function as a human being again, <laughs> I use the um, the max damage and the super speed. Yeah, same. Uh, which it was weird if I ever popped it out of super speed. It was oh. like, oh, it's so slow. It, it, it was like, oh man, how is this normal speed? There's water moving so slow. And like battles were like, ooh. It's like, oh, these take forever. So I, I pretty much kept it on super speed all the time, except for when I was really, really trying to find an item and I kept walking past it because it was like, <laughs> zoom, bad thing. zoom, zoom, zoom. I'm like, okay. Speed off, sit on, go pick up the thing, speed back on. <laughs> it also was kind of weird because like they it speeds up the cutscenes as well. It does, which is really weird. So I, like I, the music gets all like out of all out of sync as well, and like just like it's a chop and screwed version of like the music within these CG cutscenes. It's so weird. And um, my favorite that I pointed out to you is that um, when Queen Braun dies. <laughs> Like it's really dramatic in the original game, but when you have it on super speed, she just like has this really fake looking death where she's like, "I'm talking, I'm talking." Bleh. <laughs> That's it. Yep, done. I'm like, oh, oh, that maybe I should turn super speed off for this. <laughs> it kind of hampered the the seriousness <laughs> of the scene. Goodbye, seriousness. Yeah, I mean that was that was part of what was ridiculous is that like most of the serious scenes of this game were made absolute silly by super yeah. speed. <laughs> like even like the, the non like CG cutscenes, like the end game cutscenes, like it, it's real goofy. Cause like their, their idle animations are just like moving so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like know. if you just watch Zidane's tail, <laughs> you're like, what? It's all over the place. It, it's, it's so funny. I I really really liked it, but um, I did have to turn it off when I was frog hunting though. Yeah, I, that was that's basically what I had to do as well because like you just you're too fast, too fast, well, too furious. And I kept hitting the edges, and Zadam would come out. He's like, "Are you done catching frogs?" I'm like, "No, I'm not done. Go away. <laughs> Let me catch the frogs." <laughs> oh. So I finally just turned that off. I'm like, we're "Yeah, gonna, no, never mind." We're gonna get to it a little bit later, and how much you hate frogs now. I hate frogs so much. <laughs> Please, eventually, let me talk about that. Oh, we will. Let's talk about some release information, though, first off. Okay. 
Uh, this game originally came out in Japan on July the 7th in the year 2000 on the PlayStation 1, coming to North America on November 13th, 2000, as a part of the fantastic Square Electronic Arts merger. And then finally for PAL regions on February 16th, 2001. Uh, it also came to PSN for the PS3, because it's, it's going to get confusing here in a second. <laughs> Yep. Uh, in Japan on May 20th, 2010, North America June 15th, 2010, and Power Regions on May 26th, 2010. And then finally was re-released again as part of this like HD-ified version, essentially, on mobile devices on February 9th, 2016, on Steam on April 14th, 2016, and then of course, as we just mentioned, on PlayStation 4 via PSN on September 19th, 2017. I have a lot of those because <laughs> I have the original release on PlayStation. Mm -hmm. I have the the PS3 Vita version. Mm -hmm. I have the iOS version. Mm -hmm. And then now I have the PS4 version. I have uh, the PSN version through PS3 and I have the PC version and then I have this version. I did buy the PC version for my brother for his birthday. Nice. So I've technically bought almost every edition of this game. No, you have bought every edition of this game then. Okay, yeah. Whoops. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, even though it was my purchase, it was not for me. But my brother, amazingly, has never played this game. Like ever, ever? Ever. Wow. Which is weird because we lived in the same house and I had it and played it in his bedroom. So I don't know like how he's never played this, but... He's never played Final Fantasy IX. I was like, this is a tragedy and it needs to be fixed immediately. So for his birthday, I just went on Steam and gifted it to him. It's <laughs> one way to do it. Yeah, it was pretty much like if I want my brother to play anything, I'll go on Steam and gift it. Like I, I got him Final Fantasy IX, Portal and Portal 2 and Costume Quest. I'm like, go play those. Go do it. He hasn't done it yet because he's still playing Battlefield. Oh, that's that. This is hmm. Final Fantasy IX is better than Battlefield. Yes, true. Yeah. Uh, so, so we were talking about like how you know various regions got this game at different times, and how mm -hmm. like different regions also have different publishers. Mm -hmm. Um, apparently, one of the publishers for the European version was Infogrames. Really? Which coinciding with that game coming out in February. Would have been a month after Infogrames had purchased Hasbro, which technically means Atari published Final Fantasy IX in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle this. That's real dumb. That's real dumb. Oh my goodness. Anyways, uh, Final Fantasy IX is a great game. It is. It has like one of the best sets of characters in the entire series, and... Mm -hmm. Even the ones that you're like, eh, they're kind of goofy. Like, most people I know think that uh, Kina, Quina, whatever you want to call her, call her, him, whatever it is, they don't specify a gender. And yeah. they usually call it, call the character, like... He slash she. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people really dislike that character and think that, that it's a goofy character. But honestly... If you have paid attention at all throughout some of the cutscenes where where Akina appears, 
there's some pretty good insight that comes out of that character. Yeah. And it's not just about food. Uh, and usually that insight is like some deeper part of the story that's happening. You're like, oh, hey. And like, you know? and, and, and you need like, and for games like this, you need some comic relief here and there. You do. Which I mean, this game does have. Yeah. Like plenty of, but like even still, like it's always nice to have a character like that. And like, I don't, there's not a problem with that character. No, I mean, eyes. A, yeah. a lot of people don't like that character and a lot of people don't like uh, Amarant. Which I feel like Amarant's a really good foil to Zidane. Yeah. Because he's trying to figure him out the entire time that he's with the group. And one of the things that um, has been pointed out to me and I can't not see it now. It's, I mean, it's true. Um, is once Amarant joins your party, if he's ever in the party, he will never do a celebration stance until after you rescue him that time. And he kind of sees your your mindset. Huh. Then he'll start doing a celebration stance at the end of a battle. Huh. I was like, oh, that's really, really a good touch. That is. Also, like, it almost seems like Amarant is the stereotypical way that fans view Cloud and Squall. Yep, exactly. Which is like, that's also flying in the face of how Zidane is as a protagonist. Like, he doesn't do any of the things that, like, people, you know, accuse Cloud Squall of being, like, these, you know, loners, these edge types, like, super quiet, super brooding, all that stuff. Like, Zidane's just, like, out there, like, being pals with everyone. Like, and he's, yeah, like... Yeah, he's literally the opposite of those. His entire, like, character is just, like, for, you know, for the most part, until near the end when he has to deal with his own demons, is, like... He's just a big bottle of empathy. But he's also a people person. Like, yeah. he's very clearly a people person, and he's always, like, trying to talk to people and trying to help people. Like, I it's, mean, it's, it's so good, like, when you, like, when Vivi comes along first off, like, he's, like, always, like, just trying to help Vivi. Like, he's like, hey, you okay? You doing all right? And it's, like, it's it's moments like that, like, you just don't really see a lot in games. Especially, you know, like from like the the past two Final Fantasy games you didn't really see that a lot like in the very beginning of the game specifically and it just it almost it's like a breath of fresh air to like kind of have that and just be like yeah I'm glad these characters are caring about each other just right off the bat we don't have to wait like 20 hours for them to actually kind of have those moments well you also don't get this often from a male character right that that too um it it's really really refreshing because Usually it's supposed to be like on the the women characters to kind of be the empathetic character, the be the one who cares about everybody, kind of be the mom of the group. And I mean, honestly, Zidane is the mom of the group. <laughs> he is. Period. Like he might not be the most responsible, but he is absolutely the mom of the group. And I mean, when when it has his title card, I don't think it does it on this version, but on the original, like it had those title cards with his name. And his quote was always, um, like, you don't need a reason to help people. I think if you leave the the game idling at the main menu, it'll go to all those. Okay. But yeah. So, I mean, like, that's literally how they wanted to display this character, is you don't need a reason to help people. And, I mean, that's how he is throughout yeah. the entire game, except for, like, one little bit. He... He kind of like goofs off and pretends to be very, very selfish, but he's not. 
at he, all. He is the most like he makes sure everyone's okay. He makes sure they have what they need. And then like if you mess with any of them, like he's down to fight. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so, so great. And I mean it's really different for a male protagonist to be mm-hmm. like that. And I, I that's part of why I feel like he's the best Final Fantasy protagonist, period. And I think especially as well, just like the fact that they show that just right out of the gate really, really benefits that benefits the way that they're going to show that character and just like how he is as a character. Yeah. I mean, with the, the evil forest at the beginning, he's literally like, yeah, you guys are my family, but I can't just leave her behind. Like mm-hmm. I have to help her. And they're like, okay, well you'll have to leave the troop. And he's like, okay, fine. Uh, we'll leave the troop, but I cannot stand by and just let her die. And even then as well, like you could you can sense that there's an understanding on both sides when they have that discussion. Yeah, you know that Baku's not like being a jerk about it. He knew that it was gonna happen. Right. So, um and I mean going through the game, like Baku's always like making jokes at him and defending him and that kind of thing. And even at the very, very end of the game, he's there. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know he cares about him, even though, like, there's one scene in particular, Baku, that bothers me, and that's just me. Which, which scene's that? Uh, it's the scene where Zidane is talking about how he's a man with no home in the Black Mage village. Uh-huh. He's doing the cutscene with Garnet, and he's talking about how he had left before so that he could go and try and figure out who he was and where he came from and who his parents were. And that he finally came back and that Baku hit him a bunch. Right. Like, that was his response. And I'm like, eh, that's kind of sh**. But, like, at the same time, you know, he, he did take him back in. But, like, why'd you have to hit him? But then again, he also fights him to, to allow him to leave. So it might just be. That's just, like, the culture of that group. Yeah. I mean, like, he, like, they even, like, just, they established that early on where it's like, if you do something against the group, you're going to get punished in some way. Yeah, and I mean, like, the very first battle of the game is against Baku with a dragon mask on. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they just fight, I don't know. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, and especially because, like, Zidane's, what, 16 or 17 when this game happens? Mm -hmm. And he says it was three years ago, so he would have been 13 years old. So I feel like he's less capable of defending himself at that point. Also, like, he's in a rough life, too. Fair. Fair point. I mean, he's literally, like, an actor thief. That's what he does for a living. And I guess, like, it doesn't it doesn't really, like, say in the game, like, oh, like, he beat the shit out of him or something like that. It's like... It, it says he hit him repeatedly. But, like, that could be... You could take that in any kind of context. Sure. So it could be, like, he's not, like, punching with full power or anything. Like, he could just be, like love tapping him a bunch or something like that <laughs> um so for the most part i i appreciate the relationship of baku and zidane but there's also a part where i'm like eh, yeah yeah that's fair up. but i mean he really is very very defensive of him throughout the game so and they also kind of like like you said like they establish him as being kind of jokey here and there but like when he turns serious like you know something's being you know it's it's a serious scene then yeah 
that's actually one of the the moments with Zidane that I very much appreciate is that Black Mage Village scene because up until that point you kind of get like oh I'm, I'm kind of goofy and I like girls and that and then you get to that scene you're like oh oh snap like you just want to give him a hug at that point because you know <laughs> yeah. that he's like some real serious issues but he hasn't really considered his own issues because he's been worried about everybody else and when he finally has to like confront those issues it's like it just hits him like a, a semi-truck. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. Literally, Zidane is, like, one of my favorite characters of all time. Period. He's wonderful. Yeah. Also, he has a tail. Yep. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. It makes me happy. <laughs> He's got that little bitty, little bitty ponytail. It's funny as well, because, like, you would imagine... Considering he's the only one going around that, you know, has a tail, like, the game would try and, like, frame it in a way to, like, make that, like, put down on him. But you don't really see that that often. No, um, I mean, mainly when you see it used as, like, a slur is by Steiner. And I think also but, Queen Braun does as well. Yeah, she calls him a monkey as yeah. well. Um, but I mean, one thing that's fascinating about Final Fantasy IX is that most of the characters in your cast are not human. Yeah. I mean, Zidane's not human. No. He looks, but he's not. Um, Vivi's not. No. Uh, Kina's not. No. Freya's not. No. Amaranth's not. Yes. No. I don't know what he is. Wiki, tell me if there's a, a race page on here. Um. And honestly, I don't know if summoners count as a different race because they have the horn. I would imagine they would have to. So what does that leave? Steiner as your Steiner, human? yeah. <laughs> and I guess technically Beatrix. Beatrix, yeah. Um, Even though she's think, barely in there. Yeah. I don't know if Blank is or not, because he's, he's got, like, the weird skin patchy stuff. But I don't know if he's actually human or not, because, like, Sienna's not. I don't think Marcus is. He might be, but. You don't really get to tell. He yeah. He kind of has, like, his hat or something on. Uh, This doesn't say one way or the other, but, like, he also has, like, blue skin, so. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm. it's a very diverse cast of people. Whether, like, whatever race they are. Which is cool, because they all get along. Though at the bottom of this, it says that there's only four playable human beings, and they list Amarant in there, so... Uh, but they they have Steiner, Blank, and Beatrix as the other three. Yeah, this has um, his race as human on uh, Final Fantasy Wiki. But his skin is blue, yeah. so maybe that's normal. But then again, like, Braun is... Not a normal looking person either. True. So, uh, but that's one thing that's great about this is that this game has fantastic character design, whether it's the main cast or the like outside group, like everybody's designed spectacularly well. Yeah. Which I guess it would be hard to like 
to make such like a diverse cast and make them all unique and everything, but they they really pull it off. Mm. Probably because Namora's not on the character design for this game. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't got Namora. I mean, literally, that that's probably a good reason why. <laughs> no, I agree with you because yeah. if you look at the difference in these designs and based on like what he's main character designer for, there is a world of difference. Right. And I very much prefer this. Do you think like if they, instead of how the characters are designed for this game where like they're they're kind of chibi chibiized, like they're smaller than like, you know the other games particularly. Right. They like, don't have realistic proportions. Right. Do you think if they if they tried to go with realistic proportions that like some of these their some of the design would have been lost in that aspect, or do you think it could have like been the same? Um, because I mean, we've technically seen realistic versions of these characters in like you know the Cydia games. Yeah, some of them. Because mainly nine is forgotten. Yeah. I mean, I think it's doable. Just kind of depends on the character, probably. Maybe because I mean, I'm thinking of twelve, and you had um, I think her name was Fran, the the bunny. Right. And like she has normal proportions, but she's not human and she looks fine mm -hmm. but i just don't know how it would look right like can you imagine vivi or aiko in like realistic proportions yeah that's that that's i think that's the key and i can't just like when they put vivi in, in kingdom hearts 2 that was weird yeah yeah um and they bullied him in that. Like, stop bullying Vivi, guys. Vivi's Rude. adorable and wonderful, and we should all love him. He's a good dude. He's one of the best. He tries very hard. His story, though, is like... Oh, man. It's one of the most heartbreaking things in the entire game. And I probably cry more at his story bits than any other story bits in Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he, he legitimately has, like, a tragedy of a life. And considering that he's, like, six months old, it's it's tough. And, like, you're, you're especially because, like, that character arc isn't, like, you know, done halfway through the game. Like, it, mm -mm. it literally starts at the very beginning and, like, you're going throughout the entirety of it through the entire game. Yeah, and I mean, you don't actually get a conclusion to his character arc until the very, very end. Mm -hmm. And then when you find out what happens at the very end, you're like, <laughs> like what? How did that happen? Um, because everything that I understand and everything that I've read is that part of the final monologue is done by Zidane's sister, whatever, and then the right. rest of it's done by Vivi. Whether it's a narration or a letter or whatever. Um, because he says something effective like, my memories will be part of the sky or something. And I mean, like, we know Vivi's dead. What I don't understand is how Vivi reproduced. <laughs> yeah, that's the weirdest part. But um, the game overall has a very overarching theme of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that Vivi's constantly having to 
to figure out is like he's having to confront death he's having to confront his existence he's having to like worry about whether or not he's going to become a villain like it, it's it's hard it's like it's like you said it's it's a very tragic story it is and i mean like he he's even confronted like i said he's six months old and i forget if it's like two or three months in that his grandpa dies right so it's the lifespan so like the one person who took him in the one person who took care of him is dead and then he goes to Alexander and is like, oh, I'm going to have fun. Oh, my ticket's fake. This sucks. And then he makes a friend, sort of. <laughs> um, and then he gets pulled into the story, but then he keeps having to confront death. Uh, yeah. Pretty and, much it all turns. You know, at one point, he... he um, one of the most poignant scenes, I think, is is at the the Black Mage uh, cemetery scene where he's asking about like when they stop, and mm-hmm. the other Black Mage is saying like I appreciate you using your our terminology, but you know what death is, right? And I mean, it's just oh, he's a kid. Yeah, and he's, he's basically li- trying to like have to come to grips with like everything about life. Yeah. In a way that you're, especially at that age, like, you you definitely don't. No, I mean, what they say is that he's six months old, but he has, like, the appearance of, I think, like, a six or eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's he's a baby. And, I mean, Aiko's not that different, because Aiko is also, like, six or eight years old and has had the entirety of her village wiped out. Mm-hmm. She's the only one left. She's living with Moogles, which, you know, that's kind of fun. But she's there by herself. And she's six. Yeah. And, oh, it's so sad. (laughs) I think as well as, like, this game does a good job of, like, you don't wait until, like, the very end of, like, until, like, just three or four to have, like, a bunch of emotional moments or anything, like, they are just scattered out throughout the entirety of the game and like they all pretty much work and will hit you in the gut like just bam mm-hmm. it's just like it's it, it's an amazing job of like just scattering out very emotional moments throughout in a way that like a lot of storytelling can kind of fail at cuz they'll just save it all for the end yeah, and that, like you said, that's one positive about this is that it's not just like hitting you all at the end with it. It's throughout, and I mean, everybody's dealing with their own tragedies, and they're dealing with it together as a group. Um, it's like Freya is dealing with, um, what's his name, Fratley being gone, mm-hmm. and trying to find out about him. And then once she finally reunites with him, like, well, this sucks. He's alive. But he doesn't remember anything. Which I think and, that's another even moment for Zidane there when like that happens and he's like, He's right here, why aren't you going for him? Like, this is what you wanted. Yeah. Like he's trying to be such a pal to her. 
Well, and even like at the ending, it shows them together and he says that he loves her, but she's like, but you don't remember our time together in her, mm-hmm. like, in her thoughts. And yeah. I'm like, so she's still not happy, which is so upsetting. Yeah. Um, poor Freya. And then, um, like that's not even bringing up Garnet. <laughs> right. Like her entire arc is just one tragedy after another after another after another after another like garnet is strong she is a strong girl because she is 16 and she's going through all of this and i mean her life sucks she has all these tragedies that that happen to her all the while where she is in a position of power and has all of these expectations of her and responsibilities. And responsibilities that are just thrust upon her, um, like, all of a sudden. And then more tragedy happens, and she's basically just like, what can I do? I can't do anything. Yeah. And it's just I like, mean, God. It's one thing after another, and then, like, once once you get to the, the summoner village, and then she realizes, like, oh, those weren't my actual parents. Right. And then Zidane's like, oh, she's lost both of her mothers at this point. Like, like, Jesus, it's so rough. And you find out if you do the, um, if you do the wall secret to find out her real name, Mm -hmm. you find out that her dad lived, but he was, um, basically injured to the point of death. And so he writes on the wall to them. Hmm. So, um, but the sad thing about that, and it really, really bothers me, is that to do that side quest, you can't have Garnet in your party. That's really dumb. <laughs> so, she doesn't get to see this message. What the fuck? Like, I would hope that Zidane would be, like, a solid person and tell her. Yeah. But at the same time, like, why would you not take her, like, why would the game lock her out of that? That's strange. Like, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Huh. By the way, her name is Sarah. <laughs> this is his normal name. Well, it's a reference to one of the original Final Fantasies. There was a Princess Sarah. Oh, yeah. That makes yep. sense. So, her name is Sarah. Her mom's name is Jane. Fun facts. Normal, normal names. But, I mean, like, her dad dies, her mom dies, she found out that her real mom was dead, she found out that she wasn't actually from Alexandria at all, uh, she has to become queen, Alexandria and, gets destroyed. And also, she's basically replacing the king and queen's dead daughter. Yes, because they said that when she came in the boat, that she looked just like... She, oh God. Garnet, who was already dead. Right. It's, and so they just adopted her and cut off the horn. It's one thing after another for her. Mm. And then, like, it's stressful enough that she's having to deal with, like, Sid as an an ooglop, an ooglop, an oglop. I don't know what they're pronounced. The little buggy things. Right. Like, she's trying to get help from her uncle, but he's pretty much useless because he's a bug. And then becomes a frog. And then she gets kidnapped several times. 
it's like she has she has like you know like we talked about like she has all the responsibilities all this all these things thrust upon her all the while she has all these tragedies happening all the while basically she has no identity yeah well and part of her identity was the fact that she had the ability to summon and then they forcibly took yeah. that and then use those against other countries which there's one CG where they're outside of um, Limblum, and um, it's when her mom summons Atomos. And you see her and Zidane, like, walking through the grass, and you can just see it on her face when she sees Atomos. You're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. You can see just the heartbreak in her face. And, I mean, that's impressive to do. Especially yes. considering this came out in like 2000, that they were able to portray through her facial expressions how much like this hurt her. Right, exactly. And she felt responsible because they were hers, and even she, though they were forcibly extracted from her. And like later on, she gets to the point where like she is so stressed and broken down that like she can't even speak anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, God, it's tough. But then like. She bounces back so hard that, like I said at the beginning, she is exceptionally strong. Because when Zidane loses it, if you think about it, most of the characters come up as pairs to mm-hmm. to come, like, try and knock him back into sense. Right. She comes by herself. Right. So she she fights through all that by herself to get to him so she can heal him. Like, holy crap, if that's not a tough girl. People don't give Garnet nearly enough credit. No, no, of course not. I mean, because she's, like, stereotypically feminine and she's a princess and she does have her moments where she's like, you know, I don't know what to do right now. And people get mad at her because of the, um, when she loses her voice, if you have her in battle, she often will, it'll say, like, yeah. can't concentrate right um so people get really really mad at at garnet dagger whatever you want to call her but look at all of the things we just listed off like how could you be mad right i mean she is tough and she is a big driving part of the story mm-hmm. um without garnet there really wouldn't be a final fantasy 9 yeah no kidding i think in order to have Final Fantasy IX, you have to have three characters specifically. Mm-hmm. Well, four, technically. Um, <laughs> that would be Zidane, Garnet, Vivi, and Kuja. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yes, the rest of the characters are wonderful and I love them to death, but those four characters are your driving like, story characters, period. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess we haven't even talked about how freaking phenomenal the not alone scene is can we, can we before i get to that can i talk about my favorite scene in this game is it the hair it's the hair the hair i am such a sucker for cutting cutting your hair from like long to short to symbolize like change and yeah. i love 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 that this game does that i made a joke when i cut my hair off in july that i was garneting it <laughs> it's true but like Oh man, like that scene is so f-ing good. Uh, it's so good. Cause like you meet you meet her back at her like her mom's grave, 
And I think that's, that's the first time she speaks again, right? Yep. Which that's that's powerful in and of itself. And then she's like, here, give me your knife. And then just chops her hair off. And it's like to symbolize all of this change within her. And like she's going to she's basically she's ready to press forward again. And it's like, fuck, man, it's so good. Well, and there's one thing that she says during that scene that's just like so good because she when she borrows the dagger, she's like, this helped me make my last big decision. Right. Yeah. Because that's how she got her her like other name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's so good. Oh, man. I love it. I love that scene so much. It's also beautiful. It, yeah. Like, like the way. Oh, the CG is, is amazingly well done. Oh, it's my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so, so good. You're not alone, though, is probably like second. That's so. my favorite scene. <laughs> like, hands down, that's my favorite scene. Because, for one, the song. Yeah, that song is Chef's Kiss. Probably the best Final Fantasy song of all time. <laughs> Um, like, Uematsu, I, I just looked this up, um, before we start recording, apparently recorded 160 songs for Final Fantasy Nine. You know, as you do. Which 140 made it. <laughs> I think we need, like, a, a, a BCD of, like, all the stuff that didn't make it. Just yeah. cur- curiosity. Um, You're Not Alone is hands down the best of this soundtrack hands down the best of any final fantasy game like he wrecked when he composed this song (laughs) (laughs) and i think part of what makes it so great is the actual scene that's occurring while the song's playing right because it's just super super impactful because as we've been talking about zidane it's pretty much like your cheerful dude. He's trying to encourage everybody. He's always the one that's like, hey, we can do this. And then once you get to um, Tara and he realizes that he was supposed to fight against, um, was Gaia? Yeah. Uh, and he felt like he was supposed to be like an enemy of, of all of his friends. And he was a clone and... He was essentially I mean, it, Garland's next angel of death, which I think is basically what Garland tells him. That is what Garland tells yeah. him. And so he's having a huge identity crisis because he's always been trying to figure out where he belonged. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, crap, this is not what I wanted. Right. Um, so it starts off with him just like sitting on this weird throne by himself. Mm-hmm. And... I'm trying to remember. It's it's Vivi and Ico that come up first, right? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. Because I know that um, Freya and Amarant are together. Right. And then Kina and Steiner. So it has to be um, Ico and Vivi. Yeah. Um, And he's like... You guys leave me alone, you brats. Like, you don't understand. You'll never understand. And he's, like, walking away and trying to push everybody away at this point. Which is hypocritical, because, like, if anyone's going to understand, it's Vivi. It's it's Vivi. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, he would totally get it. But 
I mean, he's he's having he's not, his yeah. one real breakdown of the game. He's not in his right mind, so. Um, which worth mentioning that like the main theme that plays whenever you boot up the game is a place to call home. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. General theme of the game. Yep. Um, so Vivi finds us out, and uh, not Vivi, uh, Zidane, Zidane, Zidane finds us out. I'm going to say it right now. I've always said his name is Zidane, and then I found out that they pronounce it Zidane, and I try and fix it, but sometimes it comes out wrong. But, um, so he keeps moving on, and he's trying to push everybody away, and I think... I think it's Freya and Amarant who are getting their ass kicked, and he's like, "All right, I'll step in and help you guys." And now I'm leaving again. Um, <laughs> well, up ahead later, I'm out. And it's always just like he's telling them, "You don't get it." Like, I I'm an enemy. I should be left alone. I don't want to be anywhere near you guys. And Steiner at one point is like, "You can't leave the princess." Like, he he. Uh, and then, like I said, Garnet, at the very, very end, steps in and is like, no, buddy. You're <laughs> no, not son. But, I mean, she fights her way through everything to get to him, to heal him. Mm-hmm. Because, um... Because the boss you fight basically does an attack that knocks you down, like, the one health. One health, yep. And she pops in and puts him to full health. Mm-hmm. And is basically like, No. Like, you are not, you're not alone. You're not in this by yourself. Right. <laughs> and he snaps out of it. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. It's so I love good. It. I love it so much. And, like, everybody came together to, to knock him out of it and be like, hey, bro, this isn't you. And it's it's beautiful. And it's my favorite scene. It's, it's fantastically done. But then... You know, we were talking earlier about, like, how Zidane cares about, like, everybody. Right. When Kuja freaks out and starts destroying Terra, one of the first things Zidane says is, we have to get all these people out of here. They're victims. Mm-hmm. And, like, even though they're essentially, like, clones and shells or whatever, like, they don't really have personalities. He's like, yeah, like, this is not their fault. We have to get them out. And then he takes them to the Black Mage Village because he's like, if anybody's going to get them, it's them. Right. Like, it, it's basically, it's a parallel of how, you know, he's learned how the Black Mages have dealt with this and have kind of gained their own version of sentience and are trying to come to terms with everything that they've done. Like, it's it's essentially that parallel. So, like, obviously, it's a fantastic connection to, like, oh, we're going to rescue all these people. Let's bring them to the Black Mage Village. Because, of course beautiful and then like Zidane when they're leaving he's like this is like my little sister please take care of her I'm like oh <laughs> she's, she's like what mad. no <laughs> like you suck <laughs> um, and I guess we haven't even really t- talked at all about Kuja right I've mentioned that he was a driving point but like Kuja is also one of these genomes mm-hmm and he's ashamed of it because he hides his tail. Uh, which I think the only time you ever see his tail is in his transform, right? Yes. 
That would make sense. Um, so you find out that he's essentially been like the driving force of everything that's happened in this game. He's been manipulating everything behind the scenes, you know, influencing Queen Braun to do all of these like out of character actions that she's been doing lately. To essentially start wars so that right. people die so that they can obtain souls for the mist and then put them in a Terra. Mm-hmm. So he sucks. <laughs> and um, there are a few times where he hints that him and Zidane are related. Mm-hmm. Like he calls him brother in, I think, Burmesia. And at that point, you're like, why would he say that? But later on, brother. you realize. Like, oh, you mean literally brother because that's essentially what you guys are. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize Final Fantasy IX was essentially Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, everything is driven by Kuja just being destructive. If only and Kuja then, asked Zidane if he liked his sunglasses. And then you find out that, like, Zidane was made to replace Kuja because Kuja has a lifespan, essentially. Like, he has a time limit. So it's more limited, essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he loses it. I mean, he goes insane, which is when he starts destroying Terra. And then he he's able to figure out trance, which is destructive. Yeah. Um, but again, he's going through the same thing that Vivi is in the sense of he finds out that he has a limited lifespan and he doesn't know how to handle it. And also similarly how he's going through the same thing that Zidane just went through and he's having like this identity crisis. Yeah. But obviously he doesn't have people around him that are, that were able to, you know, rein him in or getting back to his senses. And that's why he kind of destroys Terra and essentially why you fight him at the end. Well, and I've had several people. I used to go on boards for Final Fantasy IX. And I what? saw. I know, I know. <laughs> I saw a bunch of comments that everybody's like, well, if Kuja and Zidane were made by the same person and for the same purpose, why is Zidane, you know, not like Kuja? But when you find out that Kuja basically threw him to Gaia when he was a kid. Like later, two, done. Um, two, he was taken in by Baku, so he was raised by somebody who did genuinely care about him. Mm-hmm. And Kuja didn't have that, so Zidane figured out like what love was, what friendship was. He had people around him. He had that camaraderie. So like that's why they're different. Yeah, is they were raised different. <laughs> makes sense i mean it's, it's not that hard of a concept <laughs> I, I, I don't know although there is one scene in there where zidane's like he can't be my brother we don't look anything alike <laughs> like well um i love this game i love this game so much and then like kuja he's he's a terrible person um but he does save everybody at the end. Because Kuja's the one who actually teleports you out from the final boss. Right. So, he still sucks. 
but you kind of have to say thanks. He finally like learns everything at the end there. Yeah, he has his his redemption, but again, he still sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <sighs> there's also been like debates uh, as to whether Kuja saves Zidane at the end. Because the game makes it very ambiguous of like what exactly happens. Mm-hmm. So there are usually two schools of thought, and one of them is that Kuja uses the very last of his life power to save Zidane with like a shield. And the second is that Zidane realizes that Kuja's dead and is able to dodge them because he's shown that he's capable of doing that. Okay, but what if I give you my third theory? Okay. Zidane is dead. He died in, in the end of disc one. Jared. <laughs> I will fight you, Jared. Why isn't there any... Okay. Why aren't there any crazy theories about Final Fantasy IX? Or at least that I don't know of yet. Did you not hear me tell you about the hair extensions earlier? Okay, yes, that's fair. But like nothing to the extent of squallisdead.com. No, you're right. You're right. Um, it's weird that there aren't as many theories, but maybe it's because not as many people liked it. Yeah. Or maybe I mean, it's just like, there's not like enough room for just wacky theories like there is for like Final Fantasy VIII per se. Or there isn't like any like real scenes of debate. It's uh, already like, the end. Except for the end, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of ambiguity as to what's going on mm-hmm. throughout most of the game. They're kind of straightforward. Like, this if people is die, I- like you see them die. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I never really thought about it. But you're right. There aren't really any off-the-wall theories. Hmm. Shrug shoulders. Yeah, I got nothing. I got I got nothing at all. What, um, okay, let me ask you then. Like, okay. What do you think happens at the end there in that final, in that scene with Kuja and Zidane? What I personally subscribe to is that Kuja saves Zidane. Okay. Because I feel like that would be a really solid way of kind of coming along with the theme of him finding his place to call home, essentially. Like, he realizes that he he did wrong and that he can save his brother. Because he knows he's going to die. His realization and redemption. I feel like that's a good way because um, obviously like at the end of the or after that like you never hear about him so mm-mm. it would be a you know a good assumption that he's probably dead well and I mean he pretty much tells it on when he gets there to the tree that he's dying so right um, and, and then obviously you know as the the end of the game plays out Zidane is totally a-okay we see so that would probably make sense I just feel like in terms of like character growth and character arcs and all, it would be a really solid way to end Kuja's arc. Right. And especially just what they're building with in like that, that short amount of time that they did. Mm-hmm. So. So I, I feel like that's what happened. And then he talks, uh, Zidane says it took a while for him to get out of the tree, which makes sense because like all the roots are there and, going crazy so i mean it probably did take him a while to climb out of that nonsense and then you also have to consider that he's on a whole nother continent right and like 
there aren't really boats and fossil rue is collapsed it's like how is he gonna get back gonna swim maybe because there's really no talk of like of airships on that continent either Mm -mm. so we'll see commandeered a boat from somewhere it's, I mean, either as, way, it's going to take him a while. It's going to take him a while because the only boat that I know of that exists on that continent is in um, the Summoner Village because it's the boat that him and Garnet are on when he's talking about the right. Yeah, like why did you why did you go with me because I wanted to story, and I mean that's a small boat. It's going to take a while. Which also that scene in particular was like I think that's like one of the first times you see Zidane get serious in the game, isn't it? Oh, well, like I said, the Black Mage Village is... Well, yeah. But I feel like that's, like, where you've, like, he's he's very serious at that point. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, it's, well, a, it's a different tone from him in particular. I agree. But, yeah. It's the one boat you see, pretty much. Unless, I don't know, he found one of the boats you left on the continent at some point. Maybe. But that that's I getting a little too meta. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that it probably would take him a long time to figure out how to get back, but... Yeah. Um, it's fair. But that's my personal interpretation of what happened in the ending, because I just feel like that's a good way to, to cap it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like, you know, I understand that Zidane has, like, really intense acrobatic abilities, but I feel like using that as his excuse of how he got out is kind of cheap. Mm-hmm. So... Personal opinion. Make can't, a I, I can't wait for our new website, kujahelpzadon.com. Uh, <laughs> we will give you image by image breakdowns of what happened at the end of Final Fantasy IX. Kujadies.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, there's been some like questioning on whether Vivi dies, but I think it's very clear that he does. Because if he if he didn't. You would have seen him at the end. Yeah. That's not something he would have skipped. Right. Um, because some people are like, oh, well, maybe he's just living in the Black Mage Village. And like, why would he not go to this event? Yeah, Everybody's exactly. He's going to this event. Why would he not do that? All of his friends are going to this one event. He's not going to skip it. And his sons? Yeah. All of his sons went and he's not going? Like, no. That's... And one of the, the Black Mages tell you that, like, a year is the stopping point normally and so we know that he's six months old when the game starts we know that the game takes two months and he's i mean he's a little bit different than the the other black mages as well so that's not like a definitive definitive of like oh he's gonna stop in a year like he could he could technically go a little bit longer yeah but you know it's not gonna be like a normal lifespan so yeah, so I, I think that it's pretty safe to say that he didn't make it, but um, he passed on his legacy. Yeah, and they bump so. into Puck, and it's real funny. It is really, really cute, because it's like, oh, you're Puck. We've heard all about you from our dad. I, I kind of like also that they named that character Puck, because it, it seems pretty much like a reference to Midsummer Night's Dream, which, <laughs> which is also you know an, an entire play of going out into the forest and crazy things happen there. Which yeah. you could kind of get similar vibes from this game. Makes sense. Yeah. Also, Puck is a secret prince. Yeah. And a yeah. trickster. 
why not? He's goofy. Puck's a good character. Actually, like I said, a lot of the side characters are very good characters. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think Sid is a great character. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious that like he gets punished for his uh womanizing. His infidelity. His infidelity. Um so is there anything else that we want to mention before I talk about frogs? Hmm. Iko gets adopted. <gasps> I love that Iko very gets adopted. Sweet. It's so cute. It's one of the things I'd forgotten ha- or forgot happened and I saw that scene and I was like, oh, right, that happened. This is so good. I also forgot that it happened and I was so pleased. Like, it makes perfect sense that that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I just... I love it. I love it so much. And I don't know if you... Did you get the two extra scenes? Did you have the hammer and save the queen? No, you didn't have save the queen because you didn't fight Hades, did you? No. Okay. Um, so if you have a hammer and save the queen, then you get two extra scenes at the ending. Which they're not really all that useful. But they're... One of them is interesting in the sense that... Um, it's Beatrix leaving to save the queen and Garnet's room and essentially like resigning. I, I saw that one. Did you? Yeah. Okay. And so I'm like, why? She, she basically like, she takes out the sword and she's like, well, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. And it's like, why would she ever do that? That doesn't make sense. And then like Steiner, <laughs> Steiner's like, no, stay. And she does. Like, I don't, I don't like that. I think that's really weird. Yeah. And kind it, of goes yeah. against Beatrix's character like what's she gonna go do now right i mean most of her her character um motivation throughout it is i have to protect alexandria i have to protect princess who is now queen like why would she not just keep doing that right uh so that was weird and um did you see blank get killed no. Okay, so um, in in the play, not for real. Oh, um, I don't remember. Okay, so that's the other bonus scene. It's just that Blank gets executed in the in the play. Which that's another good bro story is them trying to rescue Blank. Yeah. I love that. It's a very good side story. It's how they they intermingle with everyone. Mm-hmm. And. and yeah. It's also just like a good a good point for Steiner and his growth of being like of having to trust people that he would think otherwise would be criminals and everything, but are technically good people. Yeah. And just like how he has to learn all of that and how he grows throughout the entire game. Like I, I really enjoy his and Zidane's relationship. Oh, as I it do too. Evolves throughout the game. Like there's a um I think there's a scene later in the game where they riff on each other's like romance interest. <laughs> yeah, it's actually in in the airship when they're going into Memoria. Because um, mm-hmm. Zidane sees Beatrix coming in with the the red rose, and right. he's like, "How a woman you fell for?" And then uh, <laughs> Steiner's like, like "Yeah." Talk. yeah. <laughs> and Dagger's just right there, like, "What are you guys talking about?" <laughs> yep, it's wonderful. <laughs> that scene is that. very good. Yeah, it's such a good scene. Uh, I love it. Everybody just becomes pals, and it's it's great. It's so good. And I, and I guess like also like just the end, the end scene as well, of, like where you have the 
the long drawn out reveal of Zidane mm-hmm. at the end, and then him calling out the Garnet. It's like, oh, it's so good. It is so good. Well, and like the the really interesting part where her pendant falls off, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Do I go back for the pendant? Nope, going for him." Mm-hmm. Someone does. will get it eventually. That's what I was thinking. It's like one of those nobles probably just stole that. <laughs> one of those nobles is about to get executed. <laughs> yep. Um, but it was wonderful. Uh, I love that. And you can see all your pals be real happy at that as well. Well, it's the first time you see some of them like in CG too. It's just kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was beautiful. Her her hugging on him and him, him like petting her hair. I'm like, oh. I can't handle it. I can't. <sighs> Man, this game's good. Oh, I get so emotional. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm about to cry right now just thinking about it. Uh, well, if we want to get you to cry some tears of frustration. Oh my God, the frogs. The frogs. So we talked about this. How you know this re-release has trophy support, which I, which is I think it's based off of what the Steam version has. It is. Um, some of these trophies, you know, like they they make sense, you know. Get your ultimate weapons, beat the game, do these little side quests here and there. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are just insane. Like, do the jump rope thing a thousand times in a row. Yeah, no, not happening. Get a hundred thro- throgs, frogs. hundred frogs. Had a frog uh, in my throat. Win a hundred of the card game. Like, some of them are just like, yeah, this is never happening. Right. And I should have been a proactive player and, like, have should have been collecting frogs as I was playing through it. But, I mean, you weren't thinking, like, oh, I'm going to go get this trophy now until later on in the game, so. Well, especially because there were two trophies connected to it, so I was like, ah, oh, right. I should do this. Um, frogs are tied to your in-game clock. Which is dumb. Yes. You have to leave a male and a female frog in a pond for them to reproduce... Which I will tell you right now, it's very hard to tell them apart. <laughs> I bet. Um, if you leave a gold frog with them, then they reproduce faster, unless they're of one of the gender in there, and then they eat the the other frogs instead, which is sad. What the? F- um, yeah, there's frog cannibalism. Um, so don't mess that up. Found that out. Um. Whoa. I was determined to get this dang trophy and that you dang fork. So I ended up getting to like, what, 70 something? Yeah. And I was just like, okay, you know what? Uh, I don't know what to do. So I decided that I was just going to go level up and grind uh, <laughs> until the frogs came back. So essentially you did that and got up to 99. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I remember I was at level 58 when I started. <laughs> And I was like, I'll stop when Zidane gets to level 70, and I'll go check the frogs. And so I did that, and there were, like, a couple frogs. And I was like, okay, well, I'll come back when Zidane's at 80. Got a couple frogs there. All right, well, may as well just get these 99 trophies. So I got all all of my main party to level 99, which is insane. Glad you did that out of spite. (laughs) I did do it out of spite. I was so mad at these dang frogs. And then even after getting to level 99 and getting all the way through Memoria to the very last save point, 
there were still not enough frogs. Ugh. So, like by this point, you had it down to like a science of like, oh, you know, at nine fifteen, more frogs are gonna spawn. I was like, oh no, you yeah. are in too deep. Yeah, it was it was problematic. I had alarms for like when the frogs were up here. Um, so yeah, it it was it was problematic. And like I said, I was at the very end of Memoria, and I'm like, all right, this is stupid. So I ended up turning off the rest mode on the PlayStation 4 until after five hours. And I went to sleep and just left it on until the frogs would reappear so that I could wake up the next day and find 99 and then finish that dang quest. Yeah, because you, you went to sleep and you had like 98, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And I, I like I, I woke up and started texting you, Frog! Frog! <laughs> I had 98. It was stupid. And, um... On a positive note, if, if you want to go with positives, Chocobo Hot and Cold is much easier in this game because of the super, super speed... Because it does not affect the timer that uh, you'd normally have for hot and cold. Like, the timer still runs at the normal speed, but... That was one of the things that I was weirded out by, because, you know, timers show up in other parts of the game as well. Mm -hmm. And super speed just doesn't affect them. Yeah, nope. And, um... Yeah, it was weird with the festival to hunt too because you had a timer, and I'm like, uh, I've killed everything. Right, I was like, wait, I'm, so I'm just gonna run around, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it was the same with this because you can just go super duper fast with Choco and like do the hot and cold, and almost every single time that I'd play it, uh, I'd get the the alert like, that's great that you found so many things, but you're gonna put me out of business, so you gotta stop. <laughs> Um, so I completed the entirety of the, the Chocobo Hot and Cold side quest. I got all the ultimates that you can get from that. I got the Chocobo Paradise. Like it was, it was real. I was proud of myself. I don't remember, I did the, I did the wall and, mm -hmm. uh, made in Sari so that I could get Sarah's name. I don't remember what other side quests I did. To beat up some hard dudes. I did. Oh, that was another thing I did out of spite because of the frogs. <laughs> I went and took on the two mega bosses of the game. Because <laughs> I was at level 99. I'm like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so I fought both of them in one. Oh, buddy. So Hades is a memoria in the water area. You go behind the, the rock and he's just chilling there. He was originally yeah, supposed up? to be the main villain of the game, like, instead of Necros. Uh-huh. But they decided that they didn't want to use Hades, so he's... <laughs> we'll just shove you behind a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I beat him, and then I forget the, the big, weird, marble-looking character's um, name, but he's... Literally the hardest boss in Final Fantasy Nine, and I was like, you know, whatever. I can't get the frogs. I'll just go fight this guy. Why not? And I did, and I got that trophy. Yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> those frogs ruined me. 
And I, I got a lot of lot of trophies from the game because of frogs. I think we looked it up and you had like three times as many trophies as I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a thing. So, um yeah. Frogs are the worst. And frogs. if you're playing Final Fantasy Nine, make sure you collect frogs from the very beginning. Pro tip. Also, try and learn the difference between male and female because it's almost impossible. <laughs> it's their feet color, but like you can only see it when they're jumping. What? Yeah. That's it's, real dumb. It's so dumb. <sighs> frogs. Good old frogs. Anyway, I love this game. It's a very good game. Even with the frogs. 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 Is there anything else we should mention? I'm sure there is, but like... Play this game if you haven't. If you have played this game, play it again. Play the remake. Or the re-release. Yes. It's not a remake. It's, it's beautiful. Like, it really is top-notch Final Fantasy. Do you think... Because obviously this game's famous... For being like an homage to all the older games, to like yep. one through six, do you think it does a good job of being an homage to those games? I think it does, but it also stands really well on its own. So, okay. um, you know, it, it it takes the world back into more of a medieval style, which is is very very reminiscent of the original games. They use a lot of like character names and places and references throughout the game and classes and, as well like we yeah the classes earlier. as well um so it's i think it's a really good homage but at the same time it's it's not just an homage like right. it, it really is a solid game on its own right 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 so it's not just like a nostalgia bomb of a game but it does have a lot of good nostalgia on it Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we said, it's it's one of the best, if not the best. It's the best Final Fantasy. <laughs> also, you just have to make sure when you're playing it, you go into settings and you change the menu colors to classic, so it's all blue. And <laughs> obviously, you're playing the game better that way. <laughs> the only way to play the game. As our, as our friend Reggie would say, play the game. Play the game. Um, although he wouldn't want you to play this game. I do, though. And my opinion matters. <laughs> Reggie's not a fan of Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> <laughs> not Nintendo. I didn't realize Seriously. there was a character named Locke in Final Fantasy IX. There is a character named Locke in uh, Limblum. Which now you know because you played Final Fantasy VI. I did. Also, like I guess, one little tiny bit that I I, I laughed at at the very end when they when they reference cloud no and squall. No cloud, no squall. <laughs> no cloud, no squall shall hinder us. Yep. I was like, ha, that's funny. That's especially good because again, like Zidane is nothing like those two yeah. protagonists. So there's a there's a goof in there and there's some layer to it. I love it. I love it. I love this game. Perfect. There's a reference to 10? 
What? Final Fantasy IX is the first game in the series to make an allusion to a future Final Fantasy game. The card Ragtime Mouse is holding... The card Ragtime Mouse is holding has a message presented on the face of the card most players will never see. The text is in Japanese and reads, It's a it's a true or false quiz. FF10's theme is guts. True or false? <sighs> That's weird. Guts. Guts. Because you're going to be throwing your guts up by how bad that game is. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Yuna has the guts to fight for Spira. Yuna has the guts to tell everyone to f*** off and get her own video game. Necron fair. quotes Yoda. He does. <laughs> Necron does that's straight up. dumb. Like, literally the quote is word for word Yoda from Phantom Menace. How did they not get in trouble for that? I don't know. Well, I guess they the in the credits they they did have Skywalker sound. Maybe they worked out a deal. Maybe, but I mean, word for word. Yeah, the backstory of Zidane resembles the story of Son Goku. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a sentence I wanted to read. Oh my god. There are numerous Shakespearean allusions in Final Fantasy IX. We knew that. In the original Japanese, the king in I Want to Be Your Canary, played by Baku, is King Lear. Canary. Canary. Excuse me. Canary. (laughs) Played by Baku is King Lear. Ah. Which, of course, King Lear also has a princess named Cornelia. Yep. See, I, I I knew it. I was on the right path. Thanks to Shakespeare classes I took. Yay. I can't believe you said Canary. (laughs) Sorry. I watched an anime this this year, and I'm pretty sure that's how they pronounce Canary canary in Japanese. Oh, okay. The Knights of Pluto's names could be a play on The Raven, a poem by Edgar Allan Poe, as the titular raven arrives on the narrator's doorstep from Knight's Plutonian shore. I don't like the Raven. I don't. I don't really care for Poe. I don't like. I don't really care for his poetry. Some yeah. of the short story stuff is okay, but people can ruin him. True. A set of achievements on the Steam version of Final Fantasy IX awarded for killing certain numbers of enemies is called "Let the Bodies to the Floor." This eludes the 2001 single "Bodies" by Drowning Pool. <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a good goof. You know, even after getting to level ninety nine, I didn't get that achievement. I didn't get it either. So I didn't get that trophy. Yeah, but like you didn't get to level ninety nine. Okay, fair. Yeah. How did I not defeat what was it, ten thousand enemies? Yeah. How did I? Mean, I, I not? mean, ten thousand is a lot. So. But I got to level ninety nine. Yeah, that's fair. Fought so many, I I can't remember yars, whatever they're called. Those little freaking terrible enemies on the evil island that can comet you to death immediately. They're the worst. But they give you so much XP. <laughs> in disc three, Ruby refers to Blank and Marcus as those good old boys. Considering Ruby's Southern Belle persona, this is likely a reference to the Dukes of Hazard. Oh my god. <laughs> Although she doesn't have a southern accent in Japan, obviously. Yeah. 
During the Festival of Hunt, a man being chased by a moose screams, Great Scott, a reference to the Back to the Future trilogy's Doc Brown, who shouts it multiple times throughout the films in the face of astounding or bewildering occurrences. So basically, this game is a giant reference. Yeah. All right. I'm into it. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I love this game, guys. It's very that's good. all I got to say. It's very good. It's a very good game. If you haven't played it, you should play it. This was the first Final Fantasy game I ever beat. Wow. Wow. Two years ago. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I... Took me 25 years to beat a Final Fantasy game. I I can't even fathom that. I was bad at RPGs for a while, Al. Should've... Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll give you that, but... Just... I, 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 I got Final Fantasy 4, I got to the moon, and then I stopped. Because I was like, okay, I've done what I needed. <laughs> that was my personal goal, so I personal, I, my personal goal beat Final Fantasy 4, but legit beat Final Fantasy 9. Which, which I should, we should say, like, man, going back to some of those areas where I struggled through, like, legitimately playing this game, and just completely destroying everything with those, like, <laughs> those buffs was... Oh, so satisfying. I didn't even realize that you could turn on battle assistance and have trance on. Like, mm. I I never put that on until you told me that that was a thing, so... I only... I would do it, like, every now and then, just because, like, the animation to go into trance for each character took a while, so... That wasn't necessarily great. Like, I would only do it if, like, some character's health was getting low, and I would turn it on and bump their health back up, so... Yeah, it was helpful, um... Because I had uh, auto regen on all my characters, so which technically I, you didn't need. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Um, I had auto regen as an ability, and so like if I popped somebody in a trance, and it would take like all four of them to go in a trance would fully heal everybody, and then I'd just pop it back off. Right. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and also go find the Final Fantasy IX Coca Cola commercial because you should totally watch that. Because why I not? Like, get off here. <laughs> so yeah, Final Fantasy IX still, still great. Seventeen years later, still holds up. And now it's on a, it's on a, a current generation platform, so you can enjoy it, just as you did seventeen years ago, or two years ago, like I did, or however many years ago it was you, you last played it, or go buy it on Steam or P or on mobile devices. Like it's. There are multiple avenues for you to go play this game. Yep. You absolutely should. Do you have anything else you want to say? or? Nope. Okay. Frogs are the worst. Frogs are the worst. Uh, for more from us, go to seasonalmecheckup.com or sac.cool for past episodes of this podcast. Where you can listen to like all 30 of our other Final Fantasy episodes. <laughs> Because we have six, seven, eight, now nine. Mm-hmm. Ten two. Ten two. World of Final Fantasy. <laughs> and that's it. So far. There are options. There are there are options. Uh there's other podcasts on there as well, like Jared and I watch Sailor Moon Crystal. It's a good podcast where we watch Sailor Moon Crystal. <laughs> you should listen to that. You should. Uh, there's columns and reviews up on the site as well. You can go read those. Uh, for more from Al, go to com for columns and reviews from her. 
And you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash anime checkup. Get all our cool tweets and twists. Come talk to us about how Final Fantasy IX is the best Final Fantasy. Yes, exactly. Or if you know of a crazy theory about Final (laughs) Fantasy IX that we don't know of, please tell us because they're they're a thing. (laughs) Uh, You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. If you're so inclined. Next week, we're going to talk about Danganronpa V3. And finally learn why that that game is so divisive. I'm really excited about that. I am as well. I'm curious to see if my theory or my idea of why that game is divisive is correct or not. So we will find out next week. We will. Which I guess like we're recording this like a little bit earlier. So we actually have no idea. We haven't usually we record on Tuesday. So we would ha- we would normally have like hands on the game by now, but we're recording monday so we can have more time to to dive into that so we don't know i I teach and you have class so we're like we have to get through this and have more time so we figured today was a a down day and we would record today so it will eventually be in our hands as of tomorrow yep so look forward to that next week and uh we will hopefully not fall into despair (laughs) 